0: I need to know everything. Who in the what and the where? I need everything. Trust me, I hear what you're saying, but I act like just know what you're telling me. I'm curious, George. I happen to pour a Porsche, five on a horse. I'm ready for war. I'm coming for throws, to turn to a ghost. I need to know everything. Now you will be surprised at the info you get is by letting them
1: talk. Hey everyone, I'm Ashley Asty, and I'm curious, aren't you? I'm curious. Podcast brings the unfamiliar closer. I'm telling stories and sharing conversations with people who remind us that love demands we move toward justice and that we're all connected. This opening music is called Curious George by Nate Rose. All right, let's get to
0: it. I'm ready for smoke. I need to know everything. Who and what and where I need everything. Trust me, I hear what you're saying, but I like just know what you're telling me. I'm curious, George, I hop in the a Porsche. five and a horse, I'm ready for war, I'm coming for throws to turn to a ghost, I need to know everything. Now they ain't go harder than me. Need-
1: Gloria Araya is my guest today, and uh, I found this episode to be a masterclass in generous listening and the way she has learned to listen to her body, to our companion creatures, to the earth, to the world. I found myself getting quiet often, just sort of listening and taking in her wisdom and her energy, the energy of her truth. While Gloria is what I like to call a modern renaissance woman, We plan to focus on movement. She's a movement teacher. And yet I feel like this exploration of movement took us far beyond a a physical movement and into discussions of sensuality, of death, of connection, projection, of love. So it was a moving conversation to, to use that word. A little bit about Gloria, in the episode I share how she came across my path, but Like I said, she's a woman of many talents and paths. She's an international dance movement presenter. She's a choreographer, a photographer, a speaker. She's a passionate advocate supporting arts movements and women's rights and caring for the environment and education. She uses dance and music as tools for inspiration, especially in her movement work. And with that, she's her unique style of dance, she's traveled the world sharing this philosophy of movement. One of the reasons we connected, and again, I'll get into this more, is through the tango classes that she teaches for people with Parkinson's. It's an accessible form of tango. I got to take one of those classes, and oh my gosh, I... I'm pretty sure I smiled the whole time. She's also the founder of Ayun Movement, something we'll talk a little bit about in the episode. This is what she calls a social enterprise, offering nurturing learning experiences to inspire positive social change. It's another form of movement, not only in our bodies, but in the world. How do we create social change movements? If that was enough, on top of that, she is the founder of Traffic Stops Where Love Begins. Uh, a non-profit organization raising awareness of modern-day slavery. With this bio here, I feel like I'm only touching the surface, but I think it's her spirit, even more than her bio, that expresses who she is and speaks her soul language, and I feel like just rises out of her and hopefully into you during this episode. So let's dive in. So, Gloria... I mean, you know, the story, but for, for listeners of how I found you, so you were doing an event for where I work at the Parkinson and movement disorder Alliance. And I first came across your name when I was writing something for the event and I had to look up your bio and I remember reading it and being like, who is this woman? Like this Renaissance woman who's involved in advocacy and movement and photography and all these beautiful things, like with clear purpose and vision. It was, I was like, I need to connect with her. That was that was my first thought. And then you, you led the event. So you were hosting a tango class for people with Parkinson's and their loved ones. And the tango class was done from, from a seated position from chairs. And I took the class in the middle of my workday. I, I jumped on onto the Zoom class. And I must tell you, it was so joyful. And beautiful. And I, it reconnected me back to something that I love. So I, I grew up dancing and taking dance class, even through college, just because I loved dance and doing tango from my chair. I felt that I felt reconnected to that thing that I had loved. Mm -hmm. And it was so special to see you capture that and that empowerment that you offered. And again, I don't even, I'm not someone with Parkinson's, someone I I love doesn't have Parkinson's and yet it's still reached me. Uh, so I just want to tell you I was so grateful for you sharing your spirit then and now as we get to explore on this podcast together.
2: Oh, well, this is so sweet. Thank you so much for the invitation, for the acknowledgement and absolutely for the opportunity because I had no idea it was on my horizon, so it is really really special. Thank you so much.
1: Mm, the, the gratitude is mutual for sure. So what I want to do is, as I often do these podcasts, is actually start a little bit at your beginnings, the beginning of your life. You grew up in Chile, and the last time we spoke, you told me that you've been an observer since you were very young. Tell me more about that, what it meant to be an observer growing up.
2: Mm, Okay. Well, uh, hopefully, uh, first of all, I'm going to start, because this is obviously a personal experience and we are a product of our personal experiences, Um, but as a very young age, I became an observer, mostly because of the chaos and the dysfunctionality in my family, and um, so at a very young age, I had to navigate that dysfunction. And through that navigation, I became an observer. At the, point, at the time, I didn't see it as an asset. I didn't see it as a very useful skill, but rather as a form of a survival. Mm-hmm. And yet today, I am very grateful for having taken that experience and turned it into something that it could be positive not only in my life, but also in how I relate to the world with other people and to show the compassion and the empathy that sometimes we need in order to interact with other individuals in life. And because we tend to judge people on a constant basis because it's much harder to really think and step back and Mm. take time. It requires a lot of patience So, and we are always on a reactive mode And for me, reacting as a child had large consequences. Mm. So I had to step back. Mm. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't react once in a (laughs) while. I do, I do, because I'm human. You're human. human. I'm human, of course, I'm human. But as a child, I was, quote unquote, conditioned to observe. And so through that observation and um, uh, with my surrounding, movement articulation sounds of voices you name it um i became hyper alert it was a high price that a child may have to pay for it because you had to some way somehow build these walls to protect yourself right mm-hmm. so i in a natural way, I kind of sort of sacrifice certain things as what it is to be a child. But Mm -hmm. um, that's what, if in a nutshell, what it means to really become aware of other people. And it has been a process in which how I can integrate that, that I call a skill, in a manner that is useful at the same time that is healthy for me while I recognize my own emotions, I recognize my own um, feelings and so forth, something that otherwise you could encase and isolate just to protect yourself, which would not be healthy. So, if that answers your question. (laughs)
1: Yeah, uh, what I'm intrigued by is what you call this integration of this thing that you learn to do as a child for, you know, unfortunate circumstances or circumstances that perhaps you wouldn't have asked for, you sure. transformed them and integrated them into your life today. Because what I hear you saying is that you also cultivated these generous listening skills, like this ability to step back, listen to what's around you, listen to other people, listen to your own body, like even in movement, I feel like that's connected. And so And I have some questions actually about listening later, so so we'll get back to that. Um, The other thing before we get into this movement discussion that I know you and I wanna have, you had also said to me when we spoke on the Mm -hmm. phone prior to this, you said that you see everything in connection and that you're a divergent thinker by nature. And Mm -hmm. I I was telling you, I resonate with that. I'm similar uh, in the way I see the world. I'm wondering how being a divergent thinker has shaped you?
2: Hmm, That is a very good question, because first of all, I didn't know that I was sort of like a divergent thinker, but through education, through reading and through un- understanding myself, my own behavior, because my situation growing up really forced me, at least that's the the path that I choose was to do what I could to discover who I was as a Mm -hmm. person. So I started reading and studying and then in college because I studied psychology and also study special education for children with Down Down syndrome. So through all that studies, I started making all the discoveries. And then to see, and then I was exposed to the world, start traveling and living in different places, different countries, meeting so many different people, and I will always see a connection, And whether it was through a behavior, whether it was through an idea, and so, like, um, how is it that we individuals are part of that in terms of how do we act, the power of our actions in the world, and so what do I decide to do? and that connection that it will have in the world with other people in the surrounding, and not in a linear way, yeah. by the way, which is really remarkable. And what I mean by that is, just to give you a simple example, you meet someone here, and then 10 years later, it turns out that your actions influence that person in one way or the other. And then you meet somebody that you have no idea who that person is, but that person was influenced by that person that you influences and so forth. And so that's what I mean by that connection is very organic. And at the beginning, it was very difficult for me just because everything is kind of sort of linear. First, you got to do this and then you got to do that and then you got (laughs) to do here and you got to do there. And that to me was never natural,
1: Mm -hmm. it was
2: never natural. And so I just saw something and it made me discover something else. And then, I oh, and I see this connection in here and oh, yeah, and I see this connection. And that said, you need a little bit of um, guidance from Potential mentors, and that takes me to the conversation of mentorship. Mm-hmm. I didn't have that mentorship. So, in my humble way, I do what I can through my movement workshops mm-hmm. and my presentations, not to tell people what to do but hopefully to present a door in which it could be a guidance towards a mentorship or towards an idea because Mm. mentorship is just fundamental for anybody really so to guide you and to really put things within a context if that makes sense you know in a context so then as a divergent thinker, you're not all over the place, you know, yeah. like you could go in so many different directions, you know, yes. and that's when it comes the importance of a team mm-hmm. and again, mentorship and people around you that might collaborate with you in all sort of things and in your ideas. So that's.
1: Yeah, I, I think you seem to have all these what might seem like disparate pieces in your life that you somehow pulled together down syndrome, photography, movement, all the, I'm not even mentioning all of the things. And I, I wonder because I've been like that in my life too, where I have lots of different things that seem separate. And yet to me, they pull together in unexpected ways, but sometimes the struggle is people from the outside looking in don't understand it or until the vision's pulled together, think it's Mm -hmm. sort of, Crazy, or like what's she doing, or like where's her path?
2: She's kind of everywhere. Right. Did you
1: right.
2: face that? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> but that takes me to a very interesting thought that I don't think people talk on a regular basis, which is called projection. Mm-hmm. How do we project ourselves in the world? How do we project ourselves onto other people, especially our children? Mm -hmm. How do we project in a manner that we expect for others to do, be, and behave in a way that is recognizable to us, right? And because perception, it is just incredible. You are a woman, I am a woman, but you have had a completely different reality what it is to be a woman just Mm -hmm. for the mere, Um, point that you were born in a completely different country that I was born and so forth even even if you are the older child or the younger child or in the middle that is another factor as well the fact that we may speak different languages and so I mean you name in now, let's not even talk about genetics, right? Because we have to take that under consideration. So, I am mentioning all of these elements because that, I, it constitute a part of what we do as to projecting onto others. And that's why, for me, education is so fundamental, especially for the little ones, is how to implement an education in which, going to the title of your podcast, is to be curious to be curious about the world and ask questions instead of assuming things. We assume things on a consistent basis. And we are assuming only from our perspective, not from another person's perspective. And so um, to answer directly to your question, yes, I have been judged many, many times about all the things, you're not focused, you don't do this, you don't do that. But now I realize through pain, through the the pain of being rejected, especially by people that you fell in love with, Mm. and they push you aside. And now I realize it's my journey. Mm. Let me fall, let me choose the things that I wish to choose. It's my business if I wanna do all these things. You are projecting onto me your fears that you are not where you see yourself or you think that you yeah. should be. You are projecting it onto me. I want to explore this idea of photography with a movement. I as a, as a uh, I want to explore photography as a tool for social change. Mm. I want to, it's exciting. Now people say, oh, but you're not making money. No, I'm not making that money, <laughs> that much money. That's fine. But you're doing it because I want to live a life that I look back and I say, this was meaningful. Mm -hmm. This was deep and meaningful. I'm not doing things just for the heck of it. I don't have that luxury. And no one has that luxury for the mere, for the simple fact that we as humans are seeking meaning in life, in everything that we do, we are seeking meaning, whether you are aware of it or not. And when we don't have that meaning, that's when we are drifted. That's when we are all over the place. That's when we are lost. But if you are curious about something that you see a potential in there that you can connect with something else, you see it, nobody else is gonna see it, obviously. That is beautiful, and the challenge is then to get to know you, who you are. That's a journey of a lifetime, and to see, you know, yeah, you might be right. Yeah, I'm doing all these different things, and even though I need to focus on one, but I see the big picture, and I see them all connected. Let me find out on my own if I choose to, to go in, in a certain direction, mm-hmm. right? So the, I think the, the biggest part in, in, in this quote-unquote dilemma is to really sit down and step back and say, where am I within all these judgments? Mm. Where am I within all this criticism? And become aware of the other person's projection as well as my own. Mm. If that makes sense and ah, yeah oh, go ahead. see and when when, you, and when we do that I strongly believe that when we start thing we start seeing things uh, with more clarity yes. and that goes to then the point of I it, we will say oh how do you see yourself from here to five years oh don't ask me that question I understand <laughs> the question it will create a lot of anxiety on me oh how do you see yourself? Now it has been maturity, experience, pain, joy—you <laughs> name it—that I realized that you know what? Yes, I need to write things down, and so mm-hmm. it's this process on a daily basis. What can I do today? So, so the main thing would be: how do you see yourself in in in, in a way? How do you see yourself? Then, how do you see behaving in the world? and who you are, what are your value system? Mm-hmm. Am I living coherently? Am I living coherently? And so on a daily basis, just take small steps on today, this is what I'm doing, and tomorrow, this is what I'm doing, and, to, and so next thing you know, you have a plan for an entire week, and then you continue, and then you have, an, and then to start building that idea, and oh yes, for next year, so like right now I'm writing down these ideas that I have and committed myself to them and then do what you can to execute it and one of them is the process of feeding the idea, nurturing the idea and surround yourself by people that even though may not know about the idea, they are in the same wavelength uh, of not uh, this, um, how do you say this? in the on on the clouds kind of uh, inspirational things but rather people who will inspire you to continue moving forward right so if that may answer your question
1: oh yeah i mean you said so many great things in there one of the things i loved is you talked about you're pursuing different things that excite you because i think in that excitement is the seed of our purpose. Like we get excited around, like we're passionate about the things that we are called to, that we're put on this earth to do. And so there seems to me like this urgency towards purpose for you. Like you're aligned with, like you keep saying, who you are.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. And and so one of the strands of your your purpose, again, one of many, is is movement. Mm-hmm. And you've said to me that you know, fitness was never, ever your calling. You don't use the word fitness to describe it and, and not even necessarily dance teacher. Instead, it's movement. Can mm-hmm. you tell me, like, and then that word even just has a feeling and energy to it. What is movement to you? In mm,
2: life. Mm, yes. <laughs> Simple as that. Movement is life. Yeah. You get paralyzed for whatever different reasons. And you just don't move, you have, you have died right there. Movement mm-hmm. is definitely life, yeah. I want to tap into something before we go into the yeah. movement uh, word, when you said about passion, I think, and it is something that I have been looking into, people say, follow your passion, yeah. follow your passion, follow your passion, follow your passion. How do you know what passion to follow? You don't know what passion to follow unless you move, mm. unless you take action. Yes. <laughs> and so, going with the curiosity, you become curious about something because something click on what you saw or something happened, uh-huh. right? You become curious about it. And through that curiosity, let me go there, you may find your passion, but you will never find your passion unless you do not act. Yes. So, or act, and what I mean by act is move, to move, mm. to do something and the passion definitely will follow. Mm. And versus saying follow your passion, that will paralyze people and it will confuse the brain because the brain doesn't know what passion you have. Mm. Unless you have been really blessed, there's children who are the age of two or one, as young as one, yeah. even younger, they already know because of they are showing behaviors that they say, this person is gonna be a doctor, this person is going to be an engineer, this person is definitely going to be an artist, um, this person is definitely gonna be a famous choreographer, which has happened in the past, right? But most of us don't have that journey. Mm-hmm. Most of us, we are stumbling. And and it's just me in my case now, as an older individual, that I'm start living, I'm feeling so excited about things, not really necessarily worrying, oh my God, sometimes it's like, yes, how am I going to pay in the next bill? But that's not the point is I realize that for me in my case, that if I am not doing something that I consider to be creative, my soul suffers. Yeah. And when you mean soul, is your energetics and uh, energy, your creativity, your mind. How do you perceive the world and how do you function in the world? If I, there is something that is not created taking place, because I'm constantly coming with ideas and things, mm-hmm. is the, the, the question is how to implement them. And that's another story, right? But, yes. but if that doesn't happen, I feel depleted. Mm -hmm. and and, and I can feel it, and and that, to me, is a form of movement. We're talking about movement, movement in life, our eyes, and I'm very much into neuroscience because it's so connected, and that is due to my background growing up and the dysfunctionality that I mentioned before. So, but it is just very interesting to see that even the movement of your eyes are so fundamental in the function of how do you see and you perceive the world. Mm-hmm. And so when I say movement, because of our perceptions and because of how our judgment. The moment that you say dance is, oh, I cannot dance. And so we see, yeah. people see it in that limited area is about dancing, meaning you have to have certain skills, you have to you have to have rhythm, you have to have even a certain look, you have to move in a certain way. And yeah. that is your perception, people's perception. This is not about dance. And fitness, the same idea with fitness, it is about the weights, it's about certain things that... By the way, fitness is a good thing for you. I wish everybody was involved in some form of physical activity because you're not, people think from the neck down. Mm -hmm. We are doing physical activity from the neck down when in truth, just like nutrition, we don't talk so much about that movement or physical activity, fitness in this case, it is to preserve your brain. the physical activity the fitness is done in a healthy manner because mm. there's a lot of unhealthy absolutely things <laughs> done in that field like in any field really yeah. there's always something extreme right so by when i so that's why i choose the word movement as a form of expressing yourself and movement as a tool to get to know yourself as a person and it is through movement because it is through movement that we experience the world and as yes. I said before life without if you don't move there is no life period mm-hmm. as simple as that even the smallest organisms in 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 the body in nature has to have to move in order to survive in order to live otherwise you don't move everything becomes it atrophies your brain atrophies your body your muscles everything atrophies and so movement as a tool for self-discovery while you are venturing in the world
1: i think that's so important that you a few things that, that caveat that you had about you know, rather than just saying like follow your passion about getting curious first and exploring because to use the word movement again, you'll be moved by the world. If you're listening, if you're open, the world will move you and shift you and shape you and you'll start discovering things that you wouldn't have before. Um, And movement is life. So I'm thinking about something that you've written on your website and you say that the joyful act of dancing freely nurtures individual creativity and re-energizes the body and mind you said to dance is to cultivate inner vitality. You've kind of answered this a little bit already, but what is it about dance, about this free and joyful movement that can transform so much and, and spark us?
2: It regulates your nervous system.
1: Mm.
2: <laughs> that's pretty much what the free movement, but free flow, not a structural movement, right. in which you have to follow patterns because through following patterns, there is a cognitive process that's taking place. But the motion, the the idea of free movement that can get you into ecstasy, it regulates your nervous system. So that's what it actually does. And um, I wish neuroscience was taught in school since you were little, so then you really would understand how your brain works and how. That by, and how by thinking you can influence your production of certain chemicals and enzymes and so forth in your brain that will affect your behavior, it will affect your movement, it will affect movement, what I mean by this, it will affect whether you take an action for something or not and so forth. So that's what I, what I meant by that.
1: Mm-hmm. That's so fascinating. I was expecting you to give some sort of, and there's nothing wrong with this, but more spiritual or like airy answer and said, you're like, no, it's a
2: science. It's like the chemistry yeah. of your brain. <laughs> and yes. And then through movement, you can come, you can get to a point in where all of those factors in your brain will come in a such a cohesive manner mm-hmm. in which they will connect your mind with your heart and yes. you will be able <laughs> to feel love. Mm. We'll be able to feel that inner peace. You see, like right now, I'm getting emotional just thinking about it because (laughs) I'm feeling it. Yeah. And so, and I'm feeling it because we, by the way how we live, we are depriving ourselves from feeling. Mm. We are depriving ourselves from living a sensual life. And everybody said, sensualize us, it's talking about <laughs> sex, right? And it has nothing to do, sensuality has to, it refers to the senses. So, when you're moving, can you feel your feet touching the ground? Can you feel the temperature of the floor where you're standing? Can you feel your arm flying over your head? Can you feel the, the molecules of air around you? Can you feel your own breath? Can you feel your hair flying? I mean, and the ecstasy that can provoke in you. Can you, do you touch yourself? And what I mean by that, do you touch your arm? And so in my classes, I ask people, touch your arms, touch your hands. And people feel very weird about it, but I am not afraid of asking those things because I have a clear understanding of what I'm doing. Whether they want to judge it or not, that is another conversation, but it's not my issue. I am here to exchange knowledge and experiences in which they can open a door and a window and a house <laughs> and so forth to get to know you and experience yourself. Yeah. And we do, on, on a regular basis, we do limit ourselves by not experiences. I mean, what about... When you sit at a table, have you touched the table, the tablecloth? Do you pick a dish and a silverware that is special to you? And when you cook, how silent you are when you move things in your house. In other words, how connected you are to the surrounding, to yourself and to your surrounding. Do we do that? And I guarantee you, reality will take a different shape. We will mm-hmm. see things differently. And with that, we will see people differently. We will treat things differently. So yes. everything will become your sanctuary. Your house is your sanctuary. My, I live in a small building with six units in here, but my house doesn't end at the door. My house doesn't end in the garden where I live. My house doesn't end or start or, well, it doesn't end in the street. Wherever I am, I am in my house,
1: mm.
2: you see? And so then that becomes the aspect of respect, respecting the other, respecting the other spaces, respecting the place where I am, where I'm going, I'm a guest and to listen, and not to listen only with your ears, but to listen with, you would call it your heart, and it would be kind of an airy, whatever, but it is to listen from within, so yeah. then you create this connection with an individual that you have no idea who they are, mm. and, and through movement, I mean, per se, when we walk, are we walking around, we are now, Especially considering with the mask is another conversation, but putting that situation aside and the pandemic aside, um, when we are treating with other people, we just um, it's like they don't even exist
1: mm.
2: uh, you know and yes. even even when you are in in group classes, the other persons don't exist, but how 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 about becoming aware of who you are in the space that you are so then you become aware of the person who is next to you and you become aware of the things around you without it is not an overwhelming experience on the contrary I feel that it's a very enriching experience and it makes you see the world differently
1: yeah you're you're naming a few things that just really resonate with me so when I I'm a yoga teacher and I teach Sort of yoga, but there's movement. Like I don't go by a prescribed thing necessarily. And one of the favorite, my favorite things to call out is little cues, like you're mentioning, like feel your hands against the mat, feel your feet, like like feel the texture. to allow your hands to come to your neck and massage, like very sensual. I love that word too, sensual of the senses. Because for me, when I consider those things and try to engage all my senses when I'm moving, I feel very present. Mm -hmm. And so there's this connection that suddenly develops to myself, to my inner world, to what's around me, to the earth. I feel like that's the power of what you're describing. Sensual to experience yourself, Mm -hmm. to bring yourself, um, back home. And so I, I guess uh, I'm like, where, where do I want to take this? I, I was talking before there's so much I was talking before about movement being a form of listening. Um, mm-hmm. And you, you mentioned you use the word like listening to your heart. Mm-hmm. And I and yet I also feel like and you've said this before to me that uh, you said people don't know how to move like innately that there's this disconnection. Mm-hmm. And so when we're disconnected from our bodies and disconnected from our hearts, disconnected from that movement, do you think it's affecting largely um, not only our relationships with ourselves, but with each other or with the earth or what we're doing to the, the planet? Like all these,
2: yeah, <laughs> you're nodding. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Uh, how can I understand something outside of me when I don't even know who I am? It's going back to if we are not aware of ourselves or who we are, if we are not aware of the environment, we will take certain things for granted. We cannot function around things that we don't understand. If we don't understand ourselves, we will be behaving in a manner that it will not be supportive for, to ourselves. And it will not be supported to the environment and so forth. Mm -hmm. It's like the way we treat children, the way we treat animals, is very, um, and the way that we treat nature is very reflective of how we treat ourselves, in my Mm -hmm. view. So, and that shows us how ignorant we are of our own needs and our own nature. Yes. Yeah. And to me when we care, when we really care, that it is a moment of revelation in which we say I know what love is. Mm. When we take responsibility for something, we associate the word of responsibility with the chores, with we got to pay the bills, you got to be responsible with the with the heavy things, but To me, and I had this epiphany after a very big event in my life, it was just very simple that responsibility is nothing more than an act of love to oneself. Mm -hmm. So when we really understand what love is, is love is understanding, is respect. Responsibility is about caring. We do understand that the world changes. So then you start treating yourself differently. And consequently, you start treating the things that you have differently. And then you say, oh my goodness, I need to treat the things that are around the other people differently. Because then you're projecting, talking about projections, you're yeah. projecting yourself into the world. Mm. That, to me, is a beautiful projection versus, a projection versus the projection that we always have, which is the judgment, why you don't do this, why you don't do that, how did you come here, why you, that is the typical projection that we all do with other people. But there is no question in my mind that the way we treat ourselves is how we treat the world.
1: Hmm. And, and then there's this projection of connection. We start recognizing our connection to all that oh. is.
2: No question about that. No question about that. And and how time has gone in my life. Um, You call it getting older, right? (laughs) Getting older. (laughs) And the fact when you live in different places, then you start seeing the connections even more, even deeper. And... um, And it's like a tapestry and that is the thing that people don't understand and it's going to take me to this conversation about uh, death, if you don't mind, just because a lot of people that I know have passed and some of them have chosen not to really be so open and to be private. And and that is such a travesty in my book because Mm -hmm. when you are no longer part of the community, the community is affected. Mm -hmm. It's just like cutting a piece in a cloth. You just just cut it and the thread is, it's just not connected the same. But if we do some way, somehow, a form of ritual, a form of recognition, that we all come together and to acknowledge that person when that person is alive, to be there Mm -hmm. for that person when that person is alive, it not only heals, the community and it connects with the individual, but it heals the world mm. It does heal the world because we are connected as a as a human species we do we are connected and that's where it comes where our actions have long consequences and have consequences as far as other places that we, yes. we will never see and and we do it and that's when my holistic connection comes about and that is something that i always felt um, since i was very very young and Mm -hmm. now as an older person with all the things that you see is is even more evident it's just so evident it's like physics actually (laughs) it's all connected yeah and i I want
1: to have you say more about death when you're talking about death here are you talking about a
2: physical death a metaphorical death say say more about that yeah, yeah. So, and to give you an example, so that I have I have two instances. Um, one, it was a person, and that really marked me. Um, so, this is a story of someone who she was so generous with me. I just don't know why, but she was generous, allowing me to use her space, and and it got to a point. And so don't worry about it, Gloria, because um, we will talk about money later. And she was so generous, and she has a holistic business. And next thing I know, she is pulling me out and taking my spot to do what I was doing sort of a thing, but for her to be doing it. And that has happened to me in the past, so it broke my heart. It really did, because I thought that she was sort of like a quote-unquote, you know, kind of a betrayal, and it It broke my heart. Three months passed not only five, six, seven, three months pass, and I'm driving by her place, and it is for rent, it's closed. Mm. I had no idea she was terminally ill, and she never wanted to share that, at least with us, and at least with me, that we had a level of, of trust, right? And she left this world without having that conversation.
1: Mm.
2: And, and to me, it was like, it was such an empty moment, not for me per se, but for us. Because yeah. she was so generous with me, even though she cut me off so abruptly that I was very confusing trying to find answers in my, my brain. It's like, what, what happened, right? But she's gone, and she's never going to be back. How to bring closure to that and to say thank you, to say thank you to someone who extended her or his hand to you at a certain moment in time, right? And do you feel like this is
1: a sort of her sort of betraying you in the sense of sort of shutting, shutting you out? Is it a fear like of, of as we approach death rather than being vulnerable and open and sharing it of this like shutting down or shrinking?
2: Right. Well, you know, um, since I don't know her side, her story, I yeah. never I never will. All I could do is to infer certain answers. Mm-hmm. And one of them is that because of her business was holistic and no believing in medicine and things that of okay, that nature, yeah. So it could mean that, my God, how is it that she cannot heal herself and whatever that that was my first my first thought, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. And so, but that goes to show our fragility about fears, how we're yeah. going to be seen in the world. But again, that is my assumption, although we should never be making any assumptions because I don't know the truth, right? I just mm-hmm. don't know the truth. From her truth. I don't know her truth. Right. My truth is that I would have loved to say thank you for the last time. Mm. You know? And it's so necessary to say thank you, I think. And so, and then I had another story with another person who, it was always, it it was always, um... (laughs) I'm gonna. I was supposed. I was going to drive six hours to go and see this friend, who was in a hospital. I didn't mind, and all I could stay was just for 15 minutes, and I was gonna drive back. I had no problem doing that, but my friend was always postponing it for one reason or the other, and he said he didn't want to be seen the way that he looked and so forth. Those are not my words, but his words. And. And so I was supposed to see him on, uh, two months ago, uh, on the 6th of uh, uh, August, August, I think, the 6th of, I was supposed to see him on that week, and I get a message. And first of all, this might be just a coincidence. I'm walking along the beach with a friend, and my chest started to hurt. This might just be Mm a coincidence. I have no idea. I don't believe in coincidence. And I'm like, oh my God, my chest is hurting so much out of the blue. On a Sunday, mm-hmm. and then I get a message today that he has passed, right? Wow. And if he passed on that moment when I was having sort of that day. Whether mm-hmm. that is my consolation, I guess I use it as my consolation that oh my God, I was feeling him as a friend at that moment. He passed at that moment, but it was always an excuse to uh, counseling, counseling, counseling. I said, "Come on, let me go and see you. Let me go and see you. Let me go and see you." You know. And, and I couldn't, and he passed away. So I don't take those moments for granted, no matter what. No matter what is going on, come together. Some way, somehow, find a way, find the time to come together and to say, I love you and thank you for everything that you share with me. Let me hold your hand for for this moment, I don't want to say for the last moment, but for this moment, because people are important in our lives. They have, they are like a pieces of a puzzle that they are adding to your own bigger puzzle. Whether that person did you ill or not, those people are pieces of a puzzle and we should be thankful for, at least in my book, especially those people who have kind of like... a broken something inside mm-hmm. of you, but um, there is this beautiful, I forgot the name, though, but there's this beautiful Japanese art in which something breaks when, a, when, um, a, yeah. when it breaks, and they fill it with silver and gold, mm-hmm. and it becomes more beautiful as a piece of art, that's how I see our hearts with time. Yeah become stronger and more beautiful if we allow for those cracks to be filled with our own silver and our own gold which is our understanding our compassion and restore that heart that at some point it was broken by someone's ignorance mm. god only knows how many times we have committed an ignorance an ignorant yeah. act and broken someone's heart without not even knowing so but in terms of the, the the piece of about death as we see it, we are a culture that has not addressed that aspect of our circle of circle of life
1: mm-hmm. in
2: which to become together, come together, connect and remember that person, how that person was in the puzzle of our lives. And yes, we are releasing them into the universe, whatever you want to call it, up in the heavens, whatever is your your spiritual belief. But acknowledging them here on Earth with us, and to make us, it's gonna make us at least from my standpoint more complete as a person, because every time someone leaves, it gives you a new perspective about life.
1: Yeah, I, I guess that leads me into this. I have one more question for you. And then I have a a little lightning round. (laughs) Um, I I want to ask you about love, because you've Mm -hmm. said to me that you said the basis of everything I do is to learn what love is. Mm -hmm. And you even said that for one of your projects, businesses, Ayun Movement, that Ayun, you said is a deeper translation
2: of love that means to see the light. Can you Mm -hmm. talk about that? Yeah, oh thank you for asking. Well, um hi goodness, this is a mm-hmm. big is it because the moment we say the word love it's like oh it's very flowery yeah. the clouds and but if we look at it from a standpoint of love as an act, love is a verb. Mm. It's not a feeling. Yeah. Love is what it makes the world move around so love is caring we care and as I mentioned before love is understanding so if I love you I am going to do my best to understand the situation in which we are and so then in the process to understand you although I will never be able to understand you never for the mere for the simple reason that I have not lived your life, but I will have a little bit of a glimpse of you by being open to that idea of understanding you. And then through that, I will care about you, but again, I cannot care about you if I don't understand what caring is. I cannot be responsible if for my actions with you, if I cannot be responsible with my own actions towards myself. And that is mm. something that everybody talks about and some, in, but, but that is the act of love. So it's a process, uh, it's a life process, and that again comes from, from my upbringing in which, how is it that you say that you love someone, but you behave in it this way? How mm-hmm. is it that it's like, do as I say, but not as I do? How do you... And for a child to look at things like that is very confusing. You -hmm. say you you love me, but you did this. I don't understand. And that is scary for a little child. And for anybody, really, you know. So, um, but especially for a child that that doesn't have... um, They are seeking to be in, in a world where they are being protected and they are not being protected. So when you are not being protected, and then you have to, on top of that you have to go into the world where there's so many wolves and so many monsters, mm. <laughs> you know. So then, how do you, how do you go into the world? And it's, it's not about a, this fluffy uh, esoterical word. Mm-hmm. It's about an action in the world. And ayun is, is comes from the language from the Mapudungun from the land where I come from, from Chile, and when I learned about the meaning of it, it really touched me because it encapsulated all this concept, this process of life, per se, in which I see the light in you, and that happens to be the meaning of namaste too, and it's was like, my goodness, this is in my backyard, yes. and I never knew about this when I was back home, and that goes to show my ignorance as a person, in which you see the world for outside, that everything is better outside, but then you don't realize of the richness that you have in your own home, right? Mm. And so, so, to see with my own eyes, the light in you, I have to also be able to see the light in me mm-hmm. and to be humble about it because that is that carries a responsibility. To see your own light, it carries a deep responsibility because the moment that you realize that, you will start noticing a lot of issues in the world. Mm-hmm. And so you have the choice of, are you willing? Do you have the strength, the inner strength, the resilience? to look at that issue straight in the eye and to take action, or mm-hmm. you're going to go that direction and you, you don't want to pay attention to that thing. So, so love is not an, a, an easy task. No. It, it requires this humility to say, I'm going to take this task, this project, the best way I can with all the limitations that I have as an individual, and but do my best and move forward with it. And then you will be revealed. Mm. And so are we ready to be revealed? Oh, that's the question, right? Right, because we are constantly being distracted to not be revealed. Mm. And to fall into the, um, the uh, cheap entertainment or um, you name it. Uh,
1: mm. All
2: the... the uh, well, I was gonna say the drugs and the and the drinking and so forth and other distractions. So it's distracting you from who you are, in because as I said, it it will require a deep, profound responsibility from our part.
1: When you said that, uh, like the, you will be revealed. I was talking to someone today who has been a birth doula for twenty years and now she's training to be a death doula. And what was so fascinating is that, yeah, she she talked about what she's discovering is how alike they are. And there's this tremendous fear at both of these stages. At, so at death, you know, many of us know a fear of death, sure. but also a fear of birth. And so that fear of like being revealed because then you develop that responsibility and that's part of love. And so it just as you were speaking, it just sort of clarified for me what what you're saying and what you're sharing. And it sort of comes back, sort of pulls together, honestly, this whole conversation that we've been having. Um, and I know we we've only sort of scratched the surface here. You'll have to come back. We'll explore more. Oh, things Um yeah, of course. But for for now, I have a little bit of a lightning round for you, which is just supposed to be um like Little quick answers. I'll start a yeah. sentence, and you'll finish it. So, you ready? Oh my god! <laughs> now I'm I'm, now I'm nervous. <laughs> You're gonna be perfect, and you can always say "pass." That's allowed too. Okay, okay. So the first one is just a little bit more playful. So I'm gonna ask you to finish the sentence, and the sentence is: At this moment, my favorite song to dance or move to is yemaya yeah, yeah. Ooh, I
2: don't know this. Oh, it's a santería, it's a Cuban santería, it's like a drumming, it's like pa 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 Oh, it's Ooh. just beautiful. I'm going to have to get a link from you afterwards. I will, I will, <laughs> yeah, you have never heard of it, it's called yamaya, yeah? Mm.
1: The next one is, if I could wish for anything,
2: I'd wish. If I can wish for anything, I wish, oh my God, to eat... <laughs> To eat um, chirimoya. Oh. Chirimoya is a fruit from my country that yeah. I only we only eat it by the season. I grew up eating by the season.
1: Mm.
2: And so it's only in the summer. I have not eaten that fruit in 30 years. Wow. Oh. Right. So <laughs> it's very symbolic for me because it shows certain customs and certain traditions that I cherish and eating by the season is about change. Changes in the weather, changes in, uh, change in life, and it brings joy because I love light in that it symbolizes so many of, of those things. So, yeah, mm. that's, that's the first thing that came to mind. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, it's delicious! Oh my I mean, god, that, I
1: mean, that's like that question could really be taken anywhere, and I I'd love that answer. Oh, thank you. The next one the country I dream of going back to and visiting is because I know you've lived in many places
2: oh boy well you know i have never been uh in for some reason i i i would love to go to um to the netherlands Mm. yeah i would love to go to the netherlands um and but new zealand
1: Uh oh my goodness
2: i would love to go to new zealand i love nature and so i see me hiking Mm. Um, I love Bali, I've been in Bali already, so, mm. but um, if I could go to a new place, um, but it would be, yeah, I said New Zealand, and then the Netherlands. I love design, and I love yeah. cottages, and I think the other one would be Ireland, because I understand Ireland is filled with cottages everywhere, so, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I gave you three places, actually, so I... That's actually, wonderful, uh, you
1: you have an adventurous spirit. yeah. Okay, I've got two more for you. Sure. This next one is, in this moment, I'm most grateful for.
2: Oh, this moment. Mm. Yeah, to be here. Yeah, this moment. Mm. Because we don't know what it will take us, where it will take us. This moment is precious. So I'm mm. grateful for this moment. Yeah.
1: I, I'm grateful that I get to share in this moment with <laughs> thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. My, my last one for you, finish the sentence,
2: yes. I believe. Oh, I was gonna say something, but you know. like, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I, yeah, mm, I believe so many things, honey. Oh, well, mm-hmm. I, um, boy, I believe. Well, I definitely believe that my actions will have a repercussion in the world. Mm-hmm. I definitely believe in that, so I'm very conscious of that. Yeah.
1: And and, and I, I, I can feel that I felt that from your dance class, even just the way you showed up the way you uh, carried yourself your energy and, and all through this conversation, how you show up in the world. And so I am truly honored that we got oh. to connect and I, I, I don't believe in coincidences, either. I love that I came across your name at work and that uh, it compelled me to reach out to you. And, and now that we're connected, and like I said, I'm very grateful that I got to share this time with oh, you.
2: Oh, thank you. If I may say, I hope this doesn't sound too much like a compliment back and forth, but I feel that you have done this so beautifully and I really feel that it comes from the heart. It really mm-hmm. does. I really oh. appreciate <laughs> it. oh no, so, so much. I, I, that's my first reaction, my first respondent reaction when you call me the first time is like, oh, wow, she really mm-hmm. is connected with what she's doing. and it was very obvious to me at least that was my impression mm. so I just wanted to say that
1: yeah, sometimes when you're both leading from that heart space or in a similar moment or season in life it, it connects and so I feel like there was yeah. that
2: alignment
1: yeah. so with that I, I'm, I'm gonna leave it there but you are welcome back anytime
2: oh I would love to that would be really fun that would be awesome
0: I need to know everything, who in the what and the where I need everything. Trust me, I hear what you're saying, but I act like it's new what you're telling me. I'm curious, George, I hop in the Porsche, five and a horse, I'm ready for war, I'm coming for throats, to turn to a ghost, I need to know everything. Now you be surprised at the info you get is by letting them talk, so I'm letting them talk. Gotta keep quiet, maneuvering signs to let them and chalk up their body. Another one, body, that's just how it go. I got some secrets, I'm shaking the game so they stay on their toes. Stay in your lane, out to stay on the go. I can to play with the pros and act like a rookie so they overlook me. they I not double up again, none of their nose. None of them cold, they just got lucky but never adapted. So I'm telling the wonder if it's coming to blows. My enemies cutting it close, I let them think that they got me, but what do you know? I had them beat before we ever spoke. I'm ready for smoke, I need to know everything. Who in the what and where, I need everything. Trust me, I hear what you're saying, but I like it's new what you're telling me. I'm curious, George. I hop in the Porsche, five and a horse. I'm ready for war. I'm coming for ghosts. to turn to a ghost. I need to know.